Welcome to the Fit40 Podcast, where we take all the confusing, conflicting fitness and nutrition information and break it down so that you can live your healthiest, strongest, most energized life. I'm your host, Brian Fitzsimmons. Let's get it started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back for another fun-filled episode. This week, I have a special treat for you. I was lucky enough to be invited on the While the Kids Are In Bed podcast with my friend, fellow coach, Rachel Sheriff, and her co-host, Jordan, couldn't be there, but me and Rachel had an amazing conversation when it comes to health and fitness as far as moms are concerned. We went deep. We covered a whole lot of topics. I know you're going to enjoy this as much as I enjoyed being on it. Make sure to share it in uh, your social social media, tag me, tag Rachel, and let me know how you liked it. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. I'm Rachel. And I'm Brian. And this is While the Kids Are in Bed podcast. So as y'all can hear, Jordan is not with us today. Um, she is alive and well, but we are having a guest on Brian, and the schedule just didn't work out to get all three of us together. So um it's just the two of us today. So I'm excited. We have been, Jordan and I have been talking about getting guests on the podcast just to kind of get different perspectives and all of that. So we're excited to have you on. Um, Brian is an online fitness coach. He specializes with moms over 40. Um, So we thought it was the perfect guy to bring on because we talk to moms each week. So, um, so Brian, obviously you are not a mom over 40. Um, (laughs) So how did you get into that demographic like how did that become your specialty yeah i just love when that topic comes up because (laughs) without fail it's like what does a 30 year old dude know about moms (laughs) and in all honesty (laughs) in all honesty it just comes from experience with that's who i've been training since 2015 because the gym that i used to work at catered to the 40 plus population so it was all moms dads that were 40 plus that wanted to get fit, wanted to lose fat. And it's basically like what my whole education has been centered around. Mm -hmm. And one thing that came with working with people that are way out of my own demographic, because I was doing this at like 22, 23 years old, is I learned to listen and I learned to empathize and I learned to strategize based on people, based on what they've got going on, not what I personally know. So through what has it been? eight years now that has allowed me to like come up with how I do things, how I help people navigate those issues and how I came up with my fit 40 program. Yeah. I love that. I do think a lot of the times it happens organically like that. It's just who you gravitate to, who you have the most experience with. Um, And sometimes I also, I also left out that before that I worked at like basically what would be considered like a curves. So So that was actually my real introduction to the, the uh, ladies who were uh, like in that age demographic. And I'm like, honestly, I love shooting the shit with these ladies. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they probably love you too. I was like, it's probably especially when you were a young guy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Because I mean, like I would like, just like, BS them and stuff like that. And we'd like go back and forth. I'd be like the, the fit son that they have, like training them up and they like, they fed off of that and just loved every minute of it. It was great. I love that. That's awesome. You never know who you're going to gravitate to. And I think sometimes it's nice for women to have a different perspective. Like you said, like you have fresh eyes on the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. 
um, like you obviously know you can't relate to everything, but sometimes, yeah. you know, like you said, listening and having someone with a completely different perspective. I'm yeah. Sure and it's like, like uh, I, I don't know, like if you have mentioned before, uh, one of the guys that's big in our space, Jordan Syatt, mm-hmm. he addressed this a while back and he's like, people will say like, oh, you're not a, a woman. You're not like obese or super overweight like how can you work with me and he's like well has every oncologist had cancer like has every obgyn given birth no because some of them are dudes it's like it comes down to education experience and above all empathy and understanding yeah that's a really good point yeah i mean i don't think i think sometimes it helps to have relatable experiences but i know a lot of coaches that have gone through the same thing and can relate almost turn it and make it too much about them because then they start sharing their story, which is nice to a certain degree, but then it doesn't become about the client anymore. So, and it can bias you a lot in like the way that you do things, because then it turns into this game of, well, this worked for me and I'm a lot like you. So why doesn't it work for you? And it's like, uh, cause not everybody's the same. (laughs) (laughs) That is a really good point too. Yeah. I think that's, it's important to think outside the box sometimes because it, that's that's the thing and we'll get into this later when I but there's so many things that people just want a cookie cutter you know answer for like do mm-hmm. this and you'll see success and it's so hard especially when you work with women over 40 their bodies are changing they're different and what's going to work for one person may not necessarily work for the other person some things have to be individualized yeah. And as, as a coach, like we'd all love that if we were just yeah, like, yeah. oh, if you do these 10 things then it's great. <laughs> but unfortunately the thing that trips all, everyone up is the psychology of it and the habits mm-hmm. that surround it. And that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And it segues way into my next question. What are the most common challenges roadblocks like you see with the women that you work with? Well, for me, I actually went back and I'm like, I'm curious, like I'm, I, market to people when mom's over 40 and I'm like, I'm looking at everybody's ages and I'm like, most of them are (laughs) fifties and in their fifties, it's very much a mixed bag because like, that's like that borderline point where it's like, they still have their cycle. They're like menopausal, like Mm -hmm. they're in that kind of gray zone and they're experiencing changes that they're like, what the frick? Like, this is not what (laughs) I've known my body like for this many years. And I'm not used to this. So Mm -hmm. it's really just a navigation of like, how do we go about this stuff? And for a lot of people, it's like sleep is the very big issue. And Mm -hmm. it's not so much because I mean, parent, any parent knows this too, that like when kids come into the equation, sleep is pretty much not happening. And menopause is kind of the same deal where it's like, all right, I'm going to wake up at 2 a.m. with like some hot flushes or like having to go to the bathroom or like just waking up in general. Just your body's like, hello, we're up. Yeah. And you really don't have a lot of control over the quantity. So we address the quality and the quality can make a huge difference if you're limited in how much time that you get to actually sleep. So if you're going to sleep stressed out of your mind, forcing yourself into bed, or maybe you need a nightcap just to fall asleep, that's setting you up for like, not just energy wise, but like hormonally that wrecks you. So now you've got life with like menopause, like knocking on your door saying, we're going to change things up. And now that quality of sleep is crap. So Mm -hmm. you're going to feel even worse. So it's like this giant, like tornado of crap that a lot of people unfortunately deal with. So addressing things like 
like one of my favorite things that like gets really good feedback is doing like a brain dump before bed, like just writing out every little thing in your head on paper and getting it out Yeah. or like doing breath work or like downloading the calm app and doing like some guided meditation or like some sleep sounds makes mm -hmm. a big difference. And the other big thing is getting sunlight. A lot yeah. of us kind of just don't go outside or if we do, it's like a minute between the door and the car and the car and then yeah. the car in your office. So sunlight and the stuff right before bed has been huge. I love that. I just did um, a couple of weeks ago a live in my Facebook group about sleep because I think it's so underrated. And we just assume, like you said, like when you're in certain areas of life, the assumption is that sleep isn't going to be what it used to be. But I think we also go to the extreme and assume like, well, this is just the way it is and there's nothing I can do about it. And, but there are things like you said, like to make sure that the quality of sleep you're getting is good, you mm -hmm. know, like don't fall asleep in the chair on the couch in the living room and then expect yourself to be able to go to sleep in your bed, you know, don't yeah. have the TV, all of those things. So I like the brain dump thing. Um, that's really good. Just get it all out on paper. Cause yes, yeah, sleep is just, I think sleep and water are one of the, the top two, like underrated things that you can yep. do to help, you know, have success. By far, by far. Those are the big ones. Yeah. So when you're working with women over 40, and I, I think I know what your answer is going to be to this question, but I feel like we still need to tell people, do you mm -hmm. find that strength training or cardio more important? How do you utilize one or both when you're working with people? I love them both. And they're implemented in different ways because I get like two it, it's usually like two types of people. One is the person who's like done cardio their entire life. And they're like, I just love, love, love it. Mm -hmm. And they still can't lose any weight because they're just doing cardio or right. the other type of person who just doesn't do any form of exercise and wants to get into it. And both people, both types really benefit from having cardio in their program because there's just overall health benefits are incredible for it. So yeah. like, there's no reason not to, but when it comes to the split between resistance training and cardio, Ben Bruno, one of the mo most famous trainers at the moment, um, trains like, uh, uh, Kate Upton and a bunch of other people. He's got a good quote that he's like, all right, when you think about strength training and cardio, strength training is like the main dish and then cardio is like the side dish. Mm -hmm. So as far as portion sizes go. Yeah. So strength training, that makes the base of it where it's like, all right, we're going to get two to four days in where we do it. And then we'll do walking or like medium to short distance running on the off days. Mm -hmm. And for people like another thing that like gets missed a lot is people's buy-in, like ch changing the workouts around so that they like the way that it feels and it's familiar. So like yeah. former runners doing like high intensity circuits with weights helps a lot because they're like, I know this feeling I like, I like this feeling. Yeah. And if we're, even though we're doing quote unquote cardio, because it's hit, if we're increasing the weights that we're using over time, that's mm -hmm. a way that you're doing both. You're getting the resistance training benefits and you're getting that cardio feel. So yeah. that's the way I like to do it. Yeah. I love HIT for that reason too. I think it's great for, like you said, like lung cardiovascular health, but then also you've got the weight, the resistance and everything. 
Um, yeah. And it's good for the runners too, because a lot of them don't get that short intensity work in mm -hmm. and sprint training does improve long distance times. So, yeah. and if you're doing it in a way where your cardio, where your heart is handling it and your joints are not taking as much of an impact as continuous running, mm -hmm. it's, pro it's like the best case scenario for people that are interested in running. Yeah. Do you have anybody that comes to you that just really fights you on the resistance training or just like feels like the only way I can lose weight is if I do, if I run and they hate running, but they feel like they have to do it. Yeah. There's people that like, will put the program down and I'll be like, all right, I made it so that it's like right for you. You do this, like it's going to work out great. And then they'll never fight me on it. But then I go back and look at the calendar and I'm like, Last week, we only got one of the four or like one of the two or three. And like, well, yeah, I ran into like some, uh, I had some stuff going on. So I just did a run and I'm like, all right, that, that's, that's fine. But like, we got to really make sure that we're increasing the weights over time. Like even a little bit goes mm -hmm. a long way. Yeah. So, I mean, you can always do your best, but at the end of the day, the, the buy-in really tells you like how invested everybody is. And mm -hmm. to be fair, I do a lot on the education side inside my fit 40 group. So like a lot of people that come to me are like, I've heard you talk about this. I know I got to do it. I just don't yeah. want to. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll still make you. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I, I mean, especially as we age, you know, lifting weights and strength training has such amazing benefits. You mm -hmm. know, I agree. I mean, I think a lot of people have heard it enough that cardio is not the one and only answer to losing weight. I think there's still a few people out there that think like they have to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to lose lean body mass. You're going to lose fat. And when that happens, like it's going to take from both, but the only way to not the only way, but the best way to retain or even gain lean muscle mass is resistance training. Yeah. And when you do cardio, you only need a little bit of muscle in your legs and your core and your upper back to keep you in that upright position. That's why you mm -hmm. never see anybody who's jacked win the, <laughs> the New York city marathon, right? Because right. <laughs> what they've got on them is the bare minimum. And anything past that is going to make them worse at their sport because they have more weight on them and they're not going to be able to move as efficiently. Right. Yeah. So exactly. if you look at these high level competitors, that's basically like the, the, amount of muscle that you need to perform these long distance runs. And if that's not enough for you to look toned, then yeah. cardio is not going to do the job. Yeah. Yeah. I get that a lot from women. It's like, oh, I want to be toned. And then, but then they're also, do you encounter this? Cause I do with the women I work with um, and they're a little younger, but it's like, I want to be toned, but then they're that whole afraid of looking bulky deal. And I have to have yeah. the conversation they're about, there's a lot there's a lot of teenage dudes right now that would kill to have that problem right <laughs> and their testosterone's pumping through the roof and they still can't get any muscle on them so the fact that women have a much lower concentration of testosterone compared to guys you're in already in a disadvantageous position to right. gain muscle so yeah. the fact that like guys that are doing seven days a week in the gym are having trouble, you're fine. <laughs> no. Yeah, and yeah. at least with working with people all like for the past eight years, I've only had one person genuinely be like, all right, I'm getting too bulky. And then when we went into it, turns out it wasn't that it was the muscle. It was the 
wine every single night and going out with her friends for happy hour on Friday, lunch on Saturday, and then a dinner on Sunday. And it's like, it's not the, it's not the muscle that's happening. It's the fact that we're gaining weight in probably in the form of fat. Right. So, and that's really where I think a lot of women like will almost trick themselves into like, oh, I'm getting bulky because I'm working out and I'm getting bulky, but it's like, that's not what's making you bulky. It's right. The surrounding habits and the caloric surplus. And it's like, oh, well, I love food, but I hate working out. So I'm going to blame the working out. (laughs) Well, that's like the, you know, everything we say, you know, you underestimate how much you eat and overestimate how much you work out. And that's the thing. It's like, I people come to me all the time and they're like, I know I got to work out. I know I've got to get to the gym. And I was like, yeah, you do. I mean, that will, that will make great strides in your progress. But if you do, if you don't do the nutrition side, you can forget it. Like it's, it's going to be really hard to outwork out a a bad diet. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I'm prime example of that. I really tried to prove that wrong in my college years because it'd be nonstop drinking, eating all these, like basically every meal came from Chick-fil-A or the dining hall. So it's like probably in a caloric surplus, but worked out every single day. Now I put on a great amount of muscle, but at the same time, when you're in a surplus, fat comes with the deal. So yeah. Oh yeah. I took it all the time. I've done it too. I was a fitness instructor, you know, spin instructor of all things and at my heaviest because I was eating like crap. So, I mean, it's, yeah, I was like, I'm here to tell you that it's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. I mean, it's never a bad thing to work out regardless of how many calories you're eating, because if you are eating too many, like part of those calories is going to go towards lean muscle, which is great. Cause then when you actually get your shit together and you're like, all right, now I'm going to go into a deficit. It makes it that much better of a, of a result because you have some muscle to give you that tone when you lose the body fat. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. Never don't, don't take this as a cue to not work out. No, And, (laughs) and on top of that, now we know that independent of food or dietary changes, exercising, specifically resistance training improves a lot of things like insulin resistance and cardiac health and things like that. So it's like, there's really no excuse not to work out if you want to live your best life. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, like you said, the age that you work with, you know, women are becoming you know, grandparents and getting older. And I'm sure you hear a lot of that. Like, I want to be able to get on, get, you know, down on the floor, up off the floor. Like it becomes about functional health almost Mm -hmm. more than, you know, weight loss. Yep. Yep. And I like, I like where you're going with that because lately, like I know I've heard uh, a couple of times, this concept of a practical strength. And it's basically the concept is like, how strong do you really need to be to live your best life? And is there a point of diminishing returns? And that's like what I've been kind of getting into a lot lately. And it's very interesting to see like, I mean, there are trainers that will like keep programming back squats and deadlifts and bench press until you're like power lifter level. But let's be real. Like Susie, who's 65, does not need to be deadlifting 300 pounds. Right. <laughs> It'd be cool if she wanted to, but does, if yeah. she doesn't want to, like, are we losing anything by not going that far? And it's like, no. And if anything, from a joint perspective, it's mm-hmm. detrimental to go that far. Yeah. So it's a yeah. very like interesting topic that we're, I feel like as a fitness space, we're headed in that direction. 
Yeah, I like that a lot because I work with a lot of people who come from physical therapy where they're like, they need a continuation. And I hope that we see more of that where it's physical therapy has done what they can do on their side and that they come to a trainer to continue that functional training and strengthening. Because I tell you all the time, if you stop moving, that's that's when your problems really arise. It's keeping your body active and mobile and flexible and all of that stuff. And I love borrowing from PTs because not only that, when I do, they love that I do (laughs) because they're (laughs) like, this is awesome. Like, I'm not going to have to see this person in another six months because they stopped doing the exercises in their packet. Yeah. Like, I mean, as a trainer, it's like the easiest thing in the world to be like, all right, so for your warm up, we're going to do your packet. Yeah. And that's, and that's pretty much it. Or we're going to pick two or three things that give you the most bang for your buck. Boom. Done. Yeah. And then structuring things in a way that like improve tendon and ligament health. So like mm-hmm. you play around with isometrics, eccentrics or pauses and things like that, where it's like, you're not getting that mechanical tension, which uh, that's a nerdy term, but basically <laughs> mechanical tension is like, you just keep adding weight and that stress on your body is that mechanical tension. Right. But when you play around with te- tempo and like other forms of tension, like holding that pause, that mm-hmm. is incredible for one, using less weight and getting a bigger effect. And two, that tendon and ligament health improving over time. Yeah, that's a good point. And it kind of leads into my other question. When we're thinking about people that are that have no experience with the gym and are just starting out, what would be like your best advice to give somebody? We'll start with like the gym side and the working outside of things. Like if they're intimidated to go to the gym and they just want to get started with something, what would be your best advice to give somebody? Honestly, anything, any plan, like any YouTube video you can find, just like going in with something is yeah. always better than going in with nothing. Because a lot of times what happens is people will go, they'll walk on a treadmill, they'll look around and be like, oh, that looks intimidating. Or, oh yeah, nope, I don't know if I could do that. And they just walk for like an hour, which again, not bad, but we're right. not really getting into the weights. Yeah. But I would say like just looking for so- something like a full body program. One thing I tell everybody to do is just do five movements and then get out. Now you could do one to three sets on these, just but as long as you're doing something that's pushing, something that's pulling, something that's squatting, something that's hinging and a core, yeah. you're good to go. Or if you want to make it even simpler and not have to go into the difference between a squat and a hinge, just push, pull, legs, core. Four things. Yeah. Do like one set where you get all the repetitions, but you're like, whoo, that was heavy. Yeah. And then you cut it there. And then you do that over and over again. And eventually you're going to find that the weight that you're like, whoo, that was heavy. Two, three weeks later, it'll be like, okay, this is a little too easy. I'm going to up the weight. And then that's how you get the snowball going. Yeah. I like that. I keep it simple. And I think it's too, like people think that they have to change it up all the time, but I mean, just go yes. and do the same things that you're familiar with and your form will get better. The weights will get heavier. You'll see results without feeling like you have to do the next greatest, newest thing. Yeah. And I, and variety is a huge, huge topic as far as like what people want in their program. Like right. my, my clients are all aware that our programs are six weeks at a time because for optimal muscle growth, because when we're talking like I, my main thing is like, we're going to get toned. Yeah. So that comes from a two prong approach, burning body fat and gaining lean muscle. Now with 
the topic of muscle, four to 12 weeks is kind of the sweet spot as far as like running a program, milking the movements for all that they're worth. Because every single time that you have to do a, a new movement, you're reducing the effect that that movement has after practicing it. Because that first week or two is 100%, like not 100%, but mostly neurological. Like right. you're just figuring out, your body's just like, okay, how the hell are we supposed to do this? And then you get that super soreness. Like it's a novel soreness. It's only because it's new. It's not because it's working better. It's yeah. because your body's like trying to do a million things to accommodate for the fact that you've never done this. Yeah. And if you're just repeating that over and over and over again, one, you're like really fatiguing yourself for no reason. Mm -hmm. Two, your recovery is going to be crappier because your body, again, just does not know how to recover as optimally as it would if you repeated the exercise. And three, you're never getting the benefit of progressive overload because right. if you're not adding weight or repetitions or whatever, like making it harder in another way, you're not getting the benefits for you're not getting the best benefits that you possibly can. And you're more sore for no reason. So it's yeah. like not repeating workouts and not improving on them week after week is really a detriment. Yeah. I like that you brought that up because the, the mental load too, like I think people underestimate, like I talk about all the time, like a wor working out is a stressor. It is a, a good stressor, but if you do too much to your body mm -hmm. over and over and your brain, you, you do, you know, lessen the benefits of what you're doing. Um, and I work with busy moms and they tell me all the time, like, um, I have one who travels a lot and I gave her, you know, resistance band workout she can do in the hotel, um, mom life. She's excited to have peace and quiet <laughs> while she's away. <laughs> I and, bet. Um, you know, I was like, that's, that's a true mom when you're excited about a, an empty hotel room. Um, <laughs> But I asked her, I was like, well, do you want me to add some more workouts in? Because I only have like one or two. And she's like, no, to be honest, I love that I, I know these moves. I don't have to think about it. It's something yep. I've been doing for a while. I can just go through the motions, you know, as far as like in my brain and then really get a good workout in. And it was just really eye-opening for me because I think as trainers, sometimes we think like, oh, we need to add up and spice mm -hmm. things up and change things up and you know, make sure people aren't bored. But I, like, I agree, it's that fine line of making sure someone doesn't have that mental load of learning something new. And then like your body and the soreness thing, because everybody wants to be sore after a workout. Mm -hmm. I like that you brought that up. It's like, if I'm not sore or can't move the next day, did I really do enough? And so when do you have anybody that ever says that to you? Or do you have to talk through that with anybody? Oh, yeah. That's like, <laughs> that's like a weekly talk. Um, yeah. Because unfortunately, we did like a lot of people, especially in the 40 plus era, grew up with no pain, no gain. They grew yes. up with like, you need like Muhammad Ali, I don't start counting until it hurts. Like, <laughs> and unfortunately, like for performance, that is a very good mindset because with performance, you're really pushing the limits of your body. But if your goal is not to be the best athlete in the world, then you don't need that mindset and you don't need to go that far because a lot of times like people will push it to the point where the recovery is inhibited. Like what athletes and moms are very similar in a lot of ways, as far as stress load is concerned, because yeah. when you have, let's say you have a kid waking you up at night, you have a job that drives you nuts. Like your boss just sucks. And your husband, when you come home is just like not helping at all. 
and you're just losing your mind, that is a stressor. That's right. equivalent to the athlete that's going to practice in the morning. They're watching film in the middle of the day. They're practicing again. They're lifting weights. That's like a very similar situation where your body's like, I have this much stress already. And yeah. then you throw the workouts on top of that. More, more times than not, it's kind of like stress is a bucket and you can only fill it before it starts overflowing. And right. that is the situation where the bucket is overflowing a lot. And when that happens, your recovery just doesn't happen. And when it comes to workouts, it's not what, like what you can do. It's what you can do and recover from that creates a positive adaptation. And the adaptation is what we're chasing, not the soreness. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it because yeah, you hear, and still now there's so many places that, you know, it's like, you're throwing up, you're, you know, you're being pushed to your limit. It's just so hard. And it's like, and again, if you love that style of workout, if that's your thing where you're like, I want to be pushed and really feel like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I can't walk, then by all means do it. But I think we live in a world where, you know, women especially think, oh, I, you know, I have to go do these crazy CrossFit, crazy, you know, workouts. And it's like, that's not necessarily the case. You know, you don't have to do that to get mm -hmm. results. Um, and like you said, in the recovery part of like sleep and nutrition to make sure that you're building muscle, um, you know, that's huge. So yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. Um, and like with that, I mean, I, when you were talking, I was like looking it up. Cause I'm like, I just literally put a post up about this the <laughs> other week. And it's because of those style of workouts that I truly believe the majority, like, I think those style of workouts are to blame for a lot of people not meeting the basic guidelines as far as resistance training. Like I was, I put up the CDC, um, oh, they reported yeah. back in, in 2020, the percentage, let me read it. So I don't butcher this. The percentage decreased with <laughs> age among women from 34.1% for those 18 to 44 to 23.8% for those aged 45 to 64, and then 17.2% for those age 65 and over. And for anybody curious, like what the actual standard was, it was 30 minutes of resistance training twice a week. That's wow. it. And yeah. that's how many people meet that standard because the gym is like this it's, it has turned into this like giant ego trip where it's like, how hard can you be? Because I'm harder than you are. Yeah. And it's like, all right, good for you. But there's yeah. still 70 something percent of people that are not meeting the guidelines that are missing out because we're trying to like turn them off because we're convinced that we're the biggest hardo in the room. <laughs> yeah. Well, it drives I mean, me it's, nuts. It's true because it's like, and that's like at the studio for us, you know, I tell you all the time, like you're going to see people that are bigger than you, smaller than you, older than you, younger than you. Like the point is that we're trying to help people build a consistent habit. So if you come and can only last a week, that doesn't do me any good. And like you mm -hmm. said, unless I want to just be able to tout that I'm you know, the hardest, you know, class that there is. But if you want people to keep coming back and having that consistency, then you want them to find something that they enjoy doing, you know, yeah. it's to push you a little bit. Like, don't, you know, if you're not sweating or don't need any water, you know, okay. Like that's a little thing where it's like, okay, step it up a little bit. But for me, I tell you all the time, working out is hard and finding time doing it is hard enough. Period. Mm -hmm. If you hate it, it you're not going to do it. You've got to find yeah. something that you enjoy. And just yeah. keep it consistent, you know? It really comes down to the mindset shift because 
the people right now that are in the gym saying like, I got to bust my butt. I got to work my ass off. It's a very short term mindset where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to work so hard for the next three months, get the body I want. And then those are the same people the next year doing the exact same thing. But and or let's say it's like those lifelong like bodybuilders and stuff where it's like they they'll they're the the freaks in the room where you're like wow they're in crazy good shape but they get injured or they hit that point where they just are sick of training and then all of a sudden their body goes to crap and they're like the retired athlete where it's like yes. all, they're eating the same but they're not exercising the same yeah And it really, the only people that see the lifetime benefits are the people that embrace the lifetime mindset and the enjoyment mindset. Like exercise isn't a punishment. It's not something that we use to earn food. It's not something that like earns us the right to be a good human being. It's something that enhances our life. Like when you get, when you shift that mindset of, oh crap, I got to work out today to I better work out today if I want to have the best day. Yeah, that's those are the people that go over that go back to the gym over and over again, and they're not dreading it. They're looking forward to it. And it's a part of their life. It's like a vitamin. Yeah, I love that you said that because I can't stand the posts that are like a donut equals 30 minutes on the treadmill or, you know, just like like people like, oh, well, I worked out today. So I'm going to go get a milkshake from Sonic or whatever. And it's like it shouldn't be like that's not why you're doing shouldn't be why you're doing what you're doing if you want to see results. And I think those posts stem from a very basic misunderstanding of how this whole equation works. And I think the only people that really do post stuff like that are just very uneducated, like they or they just haven't taken the time to learn what actually gets people healthy. And when you embrace diet culture and the toxicity of it, it just causes this revolving door of people that'll work with you and then they're worse off. And then there's a few people, not a few, I mean, the percentage is growing, like coaches like us that understand, like to make a real life changing impact, you got to ditch those toxic diet culture style posts and messages. It's not as sexy. It doesn't get as many eyeballs, (laughs) but. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's just the people that the clients that I've had that are most successful, the women that come to the gym that have been there the longest are the ones that say they're there for their mental health. You know, that, like you said, like a vitamin, they're like, I need to be here. I had a crappy day. This is going to make me feel better. You know, I need to be here for my mental sanity to relieve stress in a healthy way. Instead of eating my stress, I'm going to be here and do this. Um, And that that does remind me a lot of the 7am crew. I used to train at the old gym. Yeah. The six and 7amers, they were all, if you were to go around the room and say, why are you here? Every single one of them is like, I got to start my day this way. I'm dealing with so many assholes today. I need to go in (laughs) level headed (laughs) or like just along the lines of like, this is how I need to start my day. And these were some high level people. Like one of them was like the CFO for Fox news. The other one was like owned like a multi-million dollar lumber company. Like these are busy, busy people. And they, they understand the concept of if they want to perform their best and be high level people, then it's not like a, maybe I'll work out today. It's I need this so I can perform. Yes. Yeah. Jordan's that way. She gets up in the morning. We did an episode about, you know, how we stay motivated and then talked about how, you know, motivation only lasts so long. And she gets up at 5 a.m. before her kids get up because she knows that's when she's going to get it done. And she says all the time, like, it's not about 
me wanting to do it every day. Obviously, I would like to sleep, but I know that I'm better off that day mentally, physically in a better mood if I get it done. So, yeah, it's that yep. it's again finding a lot of people that work start working with coaches. I think it does start off as you want to lose the weight. And I, and I think it would be silly to say that people don't want that. But for yeah. me, it's when they realize it's the other things that change outside of the weight that they're like, oh my gosh, like this is different. This is different. I have more energy. Yeah. I sleep better. You know, it's that stuff that gets me excited because it's like you came for the weight loss, but you got so much you know, more out yeah. of it. And wow. even though people say like, yeah, I want to lose like 20 pounds. I want to lose like 50 pounds. That's usually very surface level. It's yeah. usually not this number that we make out in our heads where it's like, if I hit this weight, I'll be happy Yeah. because spoiler, it doesn't fix anything. Like you're leaner and you feel good in the moment, but then you kind of have this like day after Christmas letdown where it's like, oh, all right, well, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No <way. laughs> One thing that definitely helps, especially in the beginning of the journey is doing a, the why exercise. Do yes. you, know, you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. I do it too yeah. with that because I think it's so important. Yeah. And for anybody who's not familiar, it's like you basically play the role of a toddler and you're like, <laughs> all right, well, I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, why? And then you say, well, I want to lose 20 pounds because I want to look better and feel better in my skin. Well, why? And then you're like, well, if I feel better in my skin, I'm going to be more productive at work because I'll feel better in meetings and stuff. It's like, well, why do you want to do that? Well, I want to make more money. Well, why? Because I want to give my family the best life they deserve. And it's like, then you go down that rabbit hole and you're like, it's not 20 pounds. It's because I want better for myself or better for my family. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, if you don't get to that, the heart of what it is, you're not going to have success. The clients that I work with that's are stuck with like, I want to lose the weight. And, and again, that's great. That's a great goal. And like fitting in the dress and the clothes, all of those things matter, but they're not going to motivate you enough yeah. to keep going. It's got to be something that is, you know, really, truly impactful, like being around for grandkids, health scare, you know, something where it's like, if I don't make a change, I'm not going to be here. You know, that kind of really monumental thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. It's so much deeper than just weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think why people struggle so much because they don't value the psychological part of it or like the motives, the motivation behind it all. Yeah. Cause everybody says, you know, they know what to do. They just don't, they just don't do it. But the thing is, I'm like, but if do you I had a nickel for every time I heard that during the week, I wouldn't have to coach. Right. Right. <laughs> Same. Cause I'm like, but and then I, you know, at first I part, my first response to that is, well, that's why you need a coach to kind of help you stay accountable. But then to be honest, I really think about and say, but do you really know what to do? Because like you said, we live in this diet culture where a lot of the women that I work with think knowing what to do means super restrictive dieting and killing themselves at the gym or paying for pre-made food that isn't real food or, you know, bars and shakes or low carb. And then, so I'm like, you know, really, I don't know if you really do know what you need to do. Yeah. And it does come down to the fact that a lot of people really have a messed up definition of what success is and like what a real, yeah. like what a diet is that is successful because we only look at it from a perspective of like, 
I, my current mentor right now, Jason Phillips, he puts it perfectly. Like he'll say like, listen, you've been able to lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds in the past, but then it always comes back. Yeah. So it's like, it's not a weight loss issue. Like, you know how to lose weight. It's a weight maintenance issue when you mm-hmm. get there. And yeah. the problem with that is, is that all these short-term solutions like cutting carbs, going to like a 1200 calorie diet, they don't allow for the maintenance. They don't right. allow you to keep it off because the more extreme you go, the more extreme the rebound is. Yes. And if you don't do it slowly and learn the habits to support it along the way, it's going to come back 10 times as fast as it took to take off. Yeah. That's a really good point. I had that exact conversation a couple of weeks ago with the client because she basically was asking me to be more hard on her as far as her nutrition went. And I was like, I'm, I'm not like doing that. Like you, like we are focusing on you tracking your food and eating like protein, like that is it. Um, and she was talking to me and she's like, Oh, well, I have success when I do Nutrisystem, when I do Weight Watchers, when I do X, Y, Z. And I was like, yeah, but you just got finished telling me that you had success with this. You stopped for whatever reason, gained weight. So then you had to find the next thing, had success, gained weight. So it's like, I'm trying to get it to where you don't have to find the next thing after this. But when yep. you don't present it with like, you know, cause she's like, oh, I follow more of a regiment. Like, cause people want those strict rules and guidelines because everybody wants the perfect meal plan. Yes. And it's like, but that doesn't teach you anything. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it, they have success, but like you said, like, you're not going to be able to maintain that for life. So why do you want to do that at all? Yeah. Because the problem with a lot of the things that are out there right now, especially the diet systems, like Octavia, Weight Watchers, like all these other ones, they make it a very passive attempt where it's like, if you just eat our meals, if you just do what we tell you to do, you'll get there. And then when people inevitably like lose a ton of weight and they hop off and they're like, I'm good now, they come back a year later and they're like, I gained it all back is because it it was passive. You didn't have to do anything. And when you apply the, that logic, you can tell somebody to do anything. You can tell them to starve themselves. You can tell them to go kill themselves in the gym. And if they follow the program, yeah, that's going to do the job. But if you're not active, if you're not actively like part of the process where we work out what to do when you hit happy hour with, yes. the, with your girlfriends, we talk about sleep strategies. We talk about when you have to take your kids on the road for 10 tournaments this weekend, how right. are you going to navigate that? That actively takes effort to be like, okay, well, this is the situation I'm dealing with. And then you go back and forth with your coach where you're like, okay, this is how we're going to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because it is, it's not about like you said, there's so many people that come to us and just want to say, well, do you give me a meal plan? And I'm like, no, I give you meal ideas. And we talk through that. But again, like we, our job is to teach you how to do these things because I mean, I would love to work with some people forever, but if I do my job right, that means that eventually you don't need me anymore be, or yep. your goals change from weight loss to maybe toning to maybe, you know, even more muscle growth or things like that. But it becomes about teaching you what to do and how to deal with your emotion, your emotional eating, your stress eating, you know, all of that. Not you have to pack a cooler and take this food everywhere you go. Because who really wants to live life where you have to bring a cooler of your own food everywhere? And 
it does sound a little overwhelming when we frame it this way, where it's like, we're, it's like kind of that gray space of like, we got to figure out whatever it is that you're dealing with, but let's be real. Like I remember Alex Hormozzi made a post a couple weeks back where he's like, let's be honest. Most people only eat about 10 to 15 meals as far as variety is concerned. Yeah. Like most people do have a very consistent breakfast or lunch option or both. And then dinner is kind of like the wild card, even though dinner for some reason is always the one that people usually have down. So if we fix those 10 to 15 meals, you're good. Yeah. Like you can make your own meal plan and you inevitably, inevitably will probably end up doing it like unconsciously, especially if you're tracking calories, because for one, it's a gigantic pain in the ass to like put in new food all the time. Yeah. So that's incentive right there. And two, most times you're just like, well, this is basically the same thing. I just never really thought of it as the same meal. It was just a different vegetable or a different sauce, but all the ingredients are pretty much there. Yeah. Yeah. I love when I can swipe right and add my breakfast from yesterday. It's like, oh, thank God. But yeah, it's true. Every every day is just copy from the other day. (laughs) Yeah. And I, yeah, I think we are a lot more, um, you know, creatures of habit than we realize, you know? So again, it's like people think, you know, they make it harder than it is as far as like that goes of like, oh, give me ideas and that kind of thing. And I think it is like people just want it to be complicated. And there is a lot of stuff that is complicated to it. There are mixed messages out there. Like we've talked about, like with what's right to eat, what, you know, all of that. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, um, as far as like protein and eating your fruits and vegetables and that kind of stuff, those are the the basics, you know? Yeah. When it comes to nutrition, the simpler the approach is, the more scalable it is. And what what that means for everybody is the simpler it is, the more people are going to benefit from it. So if you're in the majority of people, like getting a little bit of protein in your day compared to what you're doing now, probably going to help. Same with fiber, same with like veggies in general. Now, if you want something complicated to like satisfy your craving for something that needs to be like confusing the hell out of you, go look up the Krebs cycle and try and memorize it. And then (laughs) that should keep you occupied for a few years. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Because people do like, they're so disappointed when I tell them they don't have to do keto. They're like, really? I'm like, did you want me to say yes? Like, I thought I was like doing like, I would relieve your tension of like, oh, no, you don't have to do any of that. And they really are disappointed when I say, no, that's not necessary. But yeah, well, people people want to attach themselves to something. That's why yeah. people put keto or carnivore in their Instagram bio, because they're like, I am part of the team. But like, I'm sorry, your nutrition should not be a team sport. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a very... Like you should be an Olympic sprinter, not part of the basketball team. Like it's just you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And the other stuff is, and that I like what we talked about with the mental things we discussed is keeping the food and nutrition and the workouts eat like simple is because doing it and navigating like the mental load that we talked about, that's the hard part. The hard part is finding time to go to the gym, finding time to plan your meals, find time to go to the grocery store. The little things that help you do the big things are what are so hard. So if we make it, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you have trouble eating healthy while you're on the road, if you're busy, you know, whether or not you're traveling, like you said, for a tournament or for like work or whatever, if you have trouble just eating healthy in general on the road, and then we say do keto on the road, like there's no way you're going to have success because you already can't do just the simple 
you know, just eat the the healthy things. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm unfortunately gluten free and just doing that on the road or like in a tough situation, like a family party, freaking impossible most of the time. I don't know how the hell some people stick to keto or stick to paleo and just like somehow make that happen. Because the problem with something like that, where it's got the strict, strict guidelines, it sets you up to feel like a failure because when you don't follow it to a T then it's like you go back to your Facebook community or like you see this page and they're like, there's always a way, there's always some, some way to do it. And it's like, well, you don't live in reality. (laughs) No, no. And that's the thing you should be able to enjoy. And I always tell people, listen to how your body feels after you eat food. I'm not saying that you might not, you know, feel better if you limit your carbs or like you said, a allergy or dairy or whatever it is, everybody's different in that term, but you should be able to enjoy life and enjoy, you know, cake and ice cream and things like that in moderation without feeling like, like you said, like you're a piece of shit because you enjoyed cake one day. Like our, you know, our emotional worth shouldn't be attached to how well we did on our diet. Yeah. And I love how, uh, like uh, John Berardi puts it, the guy that uh, started Precision Nutrition, he teaches his kids, he's like, listen, there's food for our body and then there's food for our soul. And both are important because if we're just eating like a robot, just lean meats and veggies, like that's a miserable way to live. Yeah. Like I know personally, like when it comes to food, there's like certain ones that there's emotional connection to. Mm -hmm. And that is what kind of makes us up a little bit. Like my grandmother, when I can have the meatballs that were her recipe, it brings me back to like when she was alive and when we had good times. And like, if I didn't get that because I was going keto, that would be like losing a part of me. And for some people, these certain foods make up a part of their brain where it's like that brings them back to a place. And it's like, this is the stuff that like the researchers and like the people that are hardcore on the evidence side, just don't acknowledge at all. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, there are a few, there's so many cultures that food and cooking is such a huge part of their life. And if you take yeah. that away from somebody, I mean, they don't know how to cook or live. If you're like, Oh no, you can't use that. You can't do this. And so it's really about focusing, you know, like you said, portion and then I always tell people like, realize your trigger foods, you know, like there are some foods that are going to take you down a bad rabbit hole and just open up the can of worms. And then there's others that you can sit there and enjoy and have a piece and, you know, mm-hmm. move on. But yeah, what's like yours? Meatballs. My trigger food. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Okay. So to be honest, it's uh, it's chips and dip at a Mexican restaurant. Can't yep. do it. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I, and it affects me multiple days afterwards. Like, I can't stop at the restaurant, overeat my food because I'm full on chips and salsa. And then I'm like proceeding to like eat everything the next day and the next day. It's like I get on this like binge cycle of chips. So what is yours? Yeah, mine's like any sort of potato chip, like anything salty and crunchy. I'm pretty much. And and I mean, that would also include uh, the Snyder's gluten-free pretzels. Those things are (laughs) insanely addictive and so what they, do you do for your trigger food do you keep them in the house or do you what do you do no, no no because i used to fight this tooth and nail when i was a younger trainer i'm like in moderation you can have things in your house you can do this but let's be honest in some cases for some things especially if we grew up with like not the best food environment as a kid yeah. or like there are things that if it's in your house like i will be sitting on the couch 
knowing it's in the pantry, thinking <laughs> like I'll be watching like, is it cake with my girlfriend? And I'll be thinking not about cake, about the potato chips in the pantry for the entire show. And I'm just like, all right, this is not worth it. And then after reading something like Atomic Habits, where he talks mm-hmm. about like creating like a productive boundary where yes. you don't have it in the house, but you always give yourself the ability to say, listen, I can go get it at 7-Eleven or I can go get it at the grocery store. And then you have to go through the process of putting your clothes on, like putting your shoes on, yes. getting your keys, walking down the stairs, going to the car, driving there. And eventually right. laziness becomes a very productive tool. And you're just yes. like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I tell people that all the time. Yeah, I really don't. I rarely go to Mason restaurants for multiple reasons, but that is a big one. But also, I'm with you. Like, you have to find the thing that you can consider a treat that isn't going to put you overboard. Because some things out of sight, out of mind works. But then if it's like it's if it's your food, then you're going to eat it like no matter what. And like same thing, like you said, that was the best thing that I realized was like make it like ice cream. Like if that's your thing, don't keep it in the house where you can just go get a scoop, make it into like a family event. Like if you want ice cream, then everybody go and you enjoy a cone and all of that and make it into like a, you know, a thing that you have to go get. But I'm the same way. I always said like, if you can flex that resistance muscle at the store, it'll save you so much headache at home and just don't like people are like, how do you avoid not eating stuff? I'm like, I don't have it in the house because I have no self-control. Yeah. Like if it's there, I'm going to eat it. Now, there are many a times I've thrown on my slippers and gone and gotten a pack of Oreos because I wanted them that bad. But those times are still less than I would have if I had had to go to the pantry. Exactly. Because <laughs> if, you, if you open up the scope of the whole year and you're right. like, I would have had it in my house and eaten like a thousand of them, but I only ate 50 because of those two times. Yes. That's a win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I agree. I mean, I, everybody has them. We, us included. So just don't, don't do that to yourself and don't, I don't, this is, so one, one last thing before um, we write this up, but working with women Do you hear a lot of, I hear this a lot where it's like, well, I have it in the house for my kids or for my husband. And so what I I won't share what I say, what is your advice? Because my thing is don't have it in the house. And then that's the response we get. So what do you say to that? Because it's very tough, especially like if somebody's starting their journey and they have, say, teenagers that are like in the house and they've grown up for the past 14, 15 years with it in the house. And that's what they're accustomed to. It's extremely, extremely challenging. Yeah. Now, that being said, there are ways to do it. Like I love I love giving my mom's example because my brother is like a freaking garbage shoot. Like he can (laughs) eat anything he wants. And he's still like, he still has a six pack no matter what. And he has trouble putting weight on. Now, me and my mom are the total opposite of that. <laughs> like, we're the type where you just look at a cookie and it's like, boom, five pounds. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is great for building muscle, but not, not going to go in that direction. But <laughs> when she had to deal with that, like my brother would like have all these things that he'd want that would I mean, it basically sustained him because he needed a crap ton of calories just to survive. Right. But uh, so what we would do is he would give my mom the list of stuff that he would want from the grocery store. She'd go and get it. And then 
as we're putting everything away, she would put his stuff in his closet so he can access it whenever he wants. But we're never going into that room. One, because we don't want to get that. We don't want to do the uh, like we don't want to eat the food. And two, that's a smelly ass teenager. I don't want to go in that room anyway. So it's like two for one. That's really good. I like that. Cause I tell people put it in it, like out of sight, out of mind, put it in a basket, put it somewhere high, somewhere in the back of the pantry where you don't see it, but yep. putting it in their room is a step even better because it's nowhere even close yeah. to the kitchen where you and, go. And let's say for some reason, like you don't want to create that habit for your kid. Like, especially if like, maybe they have a little bit of weight to lose, like you don't want to be that parent that's like, because I, I unfortunately also work with a lot of women who grew up with a very bad relationship with food because their parents yeah. were always trying to get them on slim fast or Weight Watchers or stuff. You don't want to do that. But right, right. what you can do is create a productive boundary for the entire family as a collective. So like right now, it's freezing where like where I'm at sometimes putting it in the garage, just that little bit of like, do I really want to freeze my ass off for 10 seconds to go (laughs) get this? Yeah. That's another thing that can work too. That's good too. Cause I do say that too, as well as like, no, just because again, our culture is all about weight loss and yes, the teenager might have an incredible, like that's how my family grew up. My dad and my brother eat Cheez-Its. Crap was always in the house. I was on Weight Watchers because I couldn't handle the crap they could handle it was never thought about, we'll just get rid of the crap for everybody because no one needs to be eating this. But so the, your first, you know, the response is no one really needs to eat that kind of processed food. But again, yeah. you don't want to create that mindset where it's like you take it away after they've had it for so many years and then go through that battle, you know, because like you said, there's all kinds of other implications that can happen when you go too far the other way. So I like those, yeah. those tips. And I do like your, your high up one too, because like women on average are shorter than guys. So if you have like a sprouting teenager (laughs) that can reach the top shelf, but you can't, that's very helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Put it in a basket, put it, I I, I'm good with, I'm, that is my, if it's good or bad, if I can't see it, I forget it's there. So my good Mm -hmm. things, just like you talked about the atomic habits in your, and he talks about, you know, whether it's a plate of cookies or fruit, whatever thing is sitting on the counter is going to be the thing that you grab because it's right there at the forefront of your mind. So my good things come forward. My bad things get pushed back. Yeah. And I actually tested that out in the car and it definitely works too. Cause like I'm king of like on a road trip or like just a long drive in general, I'll get all the snacks and I'll want to eat them the second they're in the car. Like, and then I'll get hungry and then have to pull over and do it all over again. So like I'll eat something and then whatever I'm not eating, I'll put behind me. So I can't see it in the rear view mirror. It's not within arm's reach where I could just pull it out of like the glove compartment, but I'll put it behind me. Like on the ground or on the seat. And it makes it so much easier to the point where I'm not as hungry knowing that it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's true. I mean, it's just like, just put it away out of your line of sight. Um, okay. I do have one, one more question before we get to our last question, because you work with women over 40 and I hear this a lot and I want to get your, I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up, but hormone imbalance, hormonal changes with women over Mm -hmm. 40 what is, you know, people, you know, like we talked about with the hot flashes and sleep, there's a lot of changes going through the body. It's very similar to pregnancy, you know, where it's just mm-hmm. all out of whack. Um, 
what is kind of what's your stance? How do you help your clients work through the emotional and physical things that are happening? Yeah, first and foremost is I tell them first, make sure you're seeing your doctor, make sure that it's not something that we don't have control over. Mm -hmm. Because if you do have something like say Hashimoto's or like something in that ballpark where it's like, or a thyroid issue, like we're just beating a dead horse. We're going to be trying to do this as best as possible. But at the end of the day, if your body chemistry is not aiding us in our efforts, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So making sure to check off that box to make yeah. sure that there's nothing that we have to get medication for like deal with in a certain way is step number one. And then after that, it really comes down to the lifestyle habits because a lot of people get caught up in like, what are my specific numbers? What is my cortisol? What is my thyroid function? What is this? What is that? And in reality, we have no, like, if you're not trained in that, like I can say this because my girlfriend is a doctor and she's like, listen, if you haven't been through medical school, you really don't know how to, or like even nurses like can do this to a degree. Like mm -hmm. if you don't have that training, reading your blood work is basically impossible. Or like you're making judgments on things that have 10 other factors that you got to yeah. think about, but you're not. And when you get into that cycle, it's like, you get these people that are drawing conclusions based on what they think, not what they know. And yeah. at the end of the day, it really doesn't change anything. Like I know we, I was telling you before this, um, I compare it a lot to like when I injured my back, I went to yeah. like, on average, I do not like chiropractors. I think most of them are quacks, but <laughs> one, the one that I do respect the hell out of um, that did a very good job with me. He's like, listen, we can go get an, like, I, we can get you an MRI, but at the end of the day, if it tells me one thing or it tells me the other, or it tells me this or that, it's really not going to change the whole plan. It's really not going to change what we do as far as a, like a rehab perspective. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, fair. And that's kind of how I think about hormones. It's like, if w at least from my box, my scope of practice, I cannot Right. I can't break out a, a pad and write you a prescription. I can't right. make you a meal prescription and say, follow this to a T because it'll help you get out of this disease state. I am not able to do that. And if I do, you can sue the shit out of me. But <laughs> what I can do is work on lifestyle habits, which we work on already. So yeah. like addressing sleep, addressing stress, addressing like how frequently we exercise as it relates to your overall stress load, mm -hmm. your nutrition, all of these things play a role in optimizing hormonal health. And at the end of the day, no lab work is going to change how I do things because right. it shouldn't like your personal yeah. trainer, your like uh, nutrition coach doesn't need your lab work. We should be working on the things that we know are tried and true that for the average person that is not in a disease state, it will improve your hormonal health or at least keep you in that optimal state that maybe you're already in. And it's yeah. really just a patience game. It's not really a hormonal thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Patience game. I like that. And like you said, talk to your doctor. If you're not satisfied, get multiple opinions. Yes. But advocate yes. for yourself because- I, as I, you know, I've experienced, uh, you know, going through pregnancy, but then also working with women who are going through hormonal changes, there's a whole bunch of different outlooks. You're going to get a whole bunch of different responses. So don't just take one person's answer as the end all be all. If you don't feel exactly. it, it doesn't sit right with you, you know, yeah, you always have the right to get a second opinion. And I will say this because I've heard both sides of it. I've been on both sides where it's like, 
I feel like this person doesn't have my best interest because they can't tell me the answer that I want. And I've also heard the other end where it's like, we really can't give them what they want because that's not what they need or that's not what these results are showing. Like just because you get an answer that doesn't line up with what you think it should be, doesn't mean that the doctor's wrong. And they're probably doing you more benefit than if you went to say, like a functional medicine doctor that's going to tell everybody that comes into their into their office, oh, you're low on iodine or, oh, you have a parasite. Like right. just because somebody <laughs> has an answer does not mean it's the right one. That's so you right. always want to go for the most qualified person you can find. And yeah. if they are giving you their God's honest opinion, find another very qualified person and see if they agree. And if they do, boom, you're good. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point too. Cause like you said, like, just like with trainers, there's plenty of people out there. They're going to tell you what you want to hear and put you on keto and intermittent fasting and all these things. And not saying that you won't see results, but it's not necessarily the, you know, the thing that yeah. me, that you need. Because so. I think a lot of people do fall into the trap of wanting to label themselves, wanting yeah. to like, cause I, I do it myself. Like when I get sick and I finally get like a diagnosis of, oh, it's the flu, it's this, it's that. I'm like, it puts your mind at ease and you're like, yeah. oh, that's my label. And now I'm going to embody that label, yeah. which can be very unhealthy. So yes. yeah, like it's like the, the stereotypical dude with a cold, like we're big <laughs> babies because like, we're like, I'm a sick person now. Help me. Every woman listening <laughs> loves you for admitting that the main cold <laughs> is real. Let me just tell you. Oh, it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent real. And us guys, like we're not on the same level as far as like pain tolerance. Like the ladies have us beat by a mile <laughs> when it comes to pain tolerance. I'll get a splinter and want to go cry. My girlfriend could probably break her foot and be like, I'll walk it off. Yes. Yes. We don't have a choice. Yeah. Moms with lack of sleep. My husband finally admitted he was like, something about being sick. And um, I was like, my God, we've all been sick. And he's like, listen, you handle lack of sleep a lot better than I do. Okay. Let's just be honest about that. And that's where I'm coming from. And I was like, well, I just appreciate that you finally admitted it. It's so funny you said that. I literally was having this conversation with my girlfriend last night. She's like, you're such a little bitch about your sleep. And I'm like, yeah, because it's important. (laughs) But meanwhile, she could get five hours, she could get 10 hours, and she operates 100% no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Just wait till you have a kid. Then you're going to be really pushed to your limits as far as that goes. That's why I'm putting it it off. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be great. You do what you got to do. It'll be be fine. And you'll have to there so you'll be able to sleep it'll be great <laughs> yeah oh yeah we'll, we'll cross that bridge when i get there that's right we'll all be here to support you um hey, that's the one thing about training all moms i could always come and vent to you guys and be like i need help oh yeah and they'll love they will love 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 to help you and hear your story so you won't have any shortage of people giving advice no doubt so, i love it All right. So we end every episode, Jordan and I usually do with what we are loving. So I asked Brian to bring his item or thing. So I'm excited to hear what are you loving? I am loving because you said TV shows are on our fair game, right? The Last of Us on HBO Max. The Last of Us. Okay. It is. It's only two episodes in, but it is so good. I briefly played the video game that it was adapted from. And like you hear things like, oh, video game adaptation. This is going to be cheesy. This is going to be like nerdy. No, it's actually like a standalone, very, very good, like very good uh, uh, show. And it's out of like post COVID. It's perfect because it's kind of like an. 
What's that? What's it about? Basically, what happens is like, I forget what year it they placed the outbreak in. I want to say it was like 2020 or 2019. They like like said that there's this fungus that originated in Indonesia that like infected a bunch of these workers at a grain mill and the fungus gets into your system and basically turns you into like a aggressive murderous zombie. Ooh. And once they get past the point of like the initial infection, they basically turn into what would be like the human equivalent of like a flower head. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they turn into these clicker things that like they can't see, but they can hear everything and they kind of like click and try and find you. So it's almost like if The Walking Dead meets a quiet place. Okay. I said that reminds me of The Walking Dead, you describing it. Interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's a lot of Easter eggs that you don't notice, but like I'm huge on going to YouTube and being like episode one explained or episode two explained. (laughs) And those are like some of my favorites because they'll like break down things that you completely missed. And one of them is like they pull a lot from the actual biology of the fungus in real life because it's based off of a fungus that does this actually to ants that gets into ant systems and then they start murdering each other and going nuts. Wow. And you see, yeah. And you see like the, these major cities like covered in shrubbery and stuff like that. But you also see these um, people that are infected and they almost look like roots that are kind of like they're laying down on the ground and they're kind of like spread out and it looks like a plant and you're like, okay, this is like a level of detail I didn't know was there. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So there's only two episodes. It's on HBO Max. Yep. The Last of Us. I have to wait because I have become a, I would say binge. I don't watch more than one episode at a time, but I like for a season to have a show to have like multiple seasons. So I don't have to wait on new episodes. I'm impatient. Yeah. This would, this would be a good one to binge, but fair warning. The first episode was an hour and a half. Wow. And the second one was like 45 minutes. So dang. All right. All right. The last of us. Well, it's funny that you bring up a TV show because mine this week is a TV show um, that I feel like I'm really late to the party on, but we started watching a Ted Lasso this past. I love Ted Lasso. Oh my gosh. So I was putting it off because it's on Apple TV and you know, like most subscription things, it's like we have Netflix, we have yeah. Hulu. We have, so I was like, that I don't is so to... worth the Apple subscription. Well, yes, I was like, I don't want a, another subscription, but we finished watching um, Shameless on Netflix, which is also a really good show. And we oh, it's really good. It has 11 seasons. So we like yeah. were really invested and we were like, I don't know what to watch. We tried something else. And I was like, you know, I've heard really good things about Ted Lasso and we can get a, you know, free week of Apple TV, you know, trial. And we've already finished the first season and it is hilarious. I mean, so good. I play soccer, so, Uh, or played. So that, but I mean, even if you don't care about soccer, it is just, I mean, my husband like is cackling like every night that we watch it. Yeah. So It's got so many gems in there. Like some of the wisdom from Ted Lasso, you're just like, oh, wow, that was a really good one. Yeah. The writing is very well done. It's very good. And then like the jokes even are like, there's, it's such a, like, they're so fast that it's almost like you, you miss them if you're really not paying attention because it's kind of very like subtle, um, which I like. So I'm excited to hear that. I think season three is coming soon. 
Um, yeah, it, they keep teasing it. They keep dragging it out. And I'm just yeah. like, just give us a date, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because last I saw it was like summer, maybe. Um, yeah. So I'm trying not to rush through it. But yeah, I know we're late to the party. I feel like that's an, that one has been out for a while. That, but. That's one, like, I love the really good 20-minute episode TV shows. And that's yes. one of them where it's yeah. like you can knock out like three if you really are like not pressed for time. But if right. you want to just get your fix, you could have one of that like episode and then you're yeah. good. Yeah, because they don't we I feel like you don't make now that everything's streaming, there's not a lot of 20, 30 minute episodes anymore. They're usually like an hour, 45 minutes or something. So yeah. um yeah. Yeah. So check it out. Yeah, it's worth it. I like I said, I put off Apple TV for a while, but um I think it's worth this seven dollars or whatever. I'm excited for you to for season two. Like I, I'm so jealous of the people that have seen the shows that I love that yeah. are watching it with fresh eyes. I'm like, oh, if I could go back. <laughs> It is true because you get very invested and you're like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. So yeah. Um, my husband, he's out of town right now. And I teased him. I was like, well, I'll just watch Ted Lesso while you're gone. And he's like, you better <laughs> not watch a single. <laughs> and I mean, I, I'm like hesitant to say this, but I actually started feeling the same way because my girlfriend, like her like show that's her de-stressor is Real Housewives. <laughs> and she's on Atlanta right now. And I got to say, like, I've fell in love with certain ones like we're big on Potomac, New Jersey, and now Atlanta, and I'll catch her watching and I'll be like, I don't want to say wait for me because I don't want to admit that I'm into the show, but I'm like, but yeah, like, wait, wait. Right here. <laughs> well, we never, we don't have shows that we watch ourselves anymore because like I'll start watching the show. Um, like I, it was a lot like scandal way back when, and then he hopped in and watched it. And then it was like, he, he got invested. So I'm like, well, crap, now I can't watch it without you. So yeah, yeah it's really hard to have your own, your own show. So, oh, it's rough. <laughs> I love it. But that's awesome to have real housewives. See things you didn't know about Brian that you learned on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. For anybody who's also, in, who's also very invested. I am a very big Nini fan and uh, <laughs> for Potomac, I'm, I, I just love them all. Can't really hate on any of them. And Jersey, that many. Like, J J Jersey, I despise Teresa, but I, I really like Marge. <laughs> Dying. This is like the greatest little gem that I have found out about you. I didn't realize oh, yeah. that there were that many different cities of Real Housewives. Oh now. my God. It is insane. And most of them suck, to be honest. Like most of them are very boring and they're not relatable. Like Dubai and Beverly Hills. Oh yeah. Like, I'm, and even New York, because like that was the running joke. My girlfriend was on a New York stint like about a month ago. And she's like, it's almost depressing watching these watching these back because they're all alcoholics and divorced and lonely. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, aren't y'all in New York? So wouldn't that be we're in Jersey? Oh, OK, OK. Yeah. Okay. So like when you see like Real Housewives in New Jersey, I've pretty much driven through all of the locations and like been in those towns at some point in my life. Gotcha. And they definitely over glamorize it. But <laughs> yeah, the oh, uh, it is interesting how Jersey's like the big pull for a lot of people because it's like yeah. the most action. Oh, OK. Well, I have to start watching. I, I don't know if I've ever really watched any of them, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting because like I came to the conclusion. I'm like, my girlfriend's obsessed with this stuff. Like it turns into like her in one room, me in the other. And I'm like, I'll give it a try. It'll give me more time with her. So I'm like, I'll listen, I'll watch. And then I, eventually I'm just like, oh shit, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. That's good to spend time with each other. Like you said, even when you're not 
talking. It's just nice to be in the same room and yeah. kind of de-stress together. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Well, before we wrap up, let everybody know, because you have your own podcast and you have mm-hmm. your own Facebook group, which I highly recommend people listening and joining your free group, um, Women Over 40. So what is the name of your podcast and your Facebook group? And we'll link them in the show notes too. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, Facebook group is the Fit 40 Family, F-I-T-4-0 Family. Um, and the uh, podcast is the Fit 40 Podcast, F-I-T-40 podcast with coach Fitz. If you, if for some reason it doesn't pop up on just the fit 40 podcast and Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all that is coach underscore F I T Z Z. Awesome. Well, we'll link all that in the show notes, but I highly recommend joining. He's always sharing little nuggets and your podcast is nice and short and sweet. So those are great to listen to too. So, well, thanks for having uh, coming on. I had a blast. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It didn't feel like what an hour and 20. Yeah. I was going to say, we said we were going to keep under an hour and then we got on our soapboxes <laughs> and got carried away. So hopefully y'all made it to the end with us. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and you're a new listener, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss another episode. And if you're a returning listener, I would love your feedback. If you could take two seconds to just leave a quick review on iTunes or Spotify and rate the show, that would be greatly appreciated. So thank you in advance and have a great rest of your week.